couldn't have done it better myself. Really, I couldn't have done it. Amen. All right. Well, this morning we looked at um, saved and sure, and tonight we're going to look at serving. Saved, sure, and serving. And I mentioned this morning the difference between a Christian and born again. That's going to come into play here. But Second um, Corinthians in chapter five and verse fourteen: For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So, is his love constraining you? Is it pulling you? This constraint is not restrain. It's not that it's hindering. It's, it's pulling you. It's encouraging you. It's strengthening you. It's moving you. I wonder if, because I know I've been there, and I look at Christendom, and I see a, just a, a blanket or a haze coming over all of Christendom to where people are, are stymied in their faith. They're not moving. They're not active in their faith. Picture, if you would, I don't know what we have here tonight, 75 people maybe, um, running around, usually around 200, a little bit over, a little under that in the morning services. But let's just say 100 of those are members. Picture all 100 members plugged into a ministry. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Andy, but how many people come with you to the care home? Zero. How many come with you, Mrs. Cole? You get some? Okay. So two. All right. And how many care homes did we used to visit? Seven or eight. And we're visiting two now? Two. Do you know why we're not visiting seven or eight? Because you're not visiting seven or eight. Yes, COVID shut them down, but we can get back in if we have the people. Is the love of Christ constraining you? Is it, is it moving you? Can you imagine a church with all the members plugged into a ministry? Can you imagine the impact on this community? I think, it, you know, with Alan Frassi, the impact they've had on this community, on this church. You know why? They were plugged in. They were all in. I was counseling a young man that was having some troubles in, it, in his life, and I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, he couldn't see it at all, but I mean, he was just one foot from just going down. And I said, you need to be all in. And he looked at me like a deer in the headlights. And I looked at him and said, you have no clue what I'm talking about, do you? And he said, no. How's that possible? I'm not talking about someone who hadn't been coming to church, you know. I, I'm talking about someone who's in church, but not all in. And when I say plugged into a ministry, I mean plugged into a ministry. We shouldn't have one person going to a care home or even two or three. We should have multiple people going. We should have alternates. We should be rotating so nobody's getting burned out. And I praise the Lord for some of the guys that have stepped up at the jail the last couple of weeks my back was out. I mean, I was hurting, but I didn't want the guys to go alone, but we had some guys step up and, and, and jump in there, and I'm thankful for that. But there's plenty more room. Oh, speaking of which, I mean, this I wrote at the top here. It wasn't not, this is not a public service announcement for the jail ministry, but there is a meeting on, on Wednesday night after church. Um, and just a reminder, you get the forms. Okay, Billy's going to get forms for that if you're interested. With the jail ministry, you have to fill out some forms and go through a background check, that kind of thing. So if you're wanted, <laughs> you probably shouldn't apply. <laughs> I had a friend that happened to a friend. Um, he had just gotten saved, and this came from a rough background, and just one of those salvations where he just really got hold of it and got in. So, you know, they're going to the jail ministry. He said, oh, I want to go. <laughs> so... 
they, this was back in the day before the background checks and all that. Well, he went, and they take his ID, and they said, well, you could stay, or you could leave right now and take care of this, because he had a warrant out for his arrest. <laughs> so you never know. When I turned my, when I, I gave the sheriff deputy my ID, he went, he said, is this you? And I said, that's me. He goes, well, there's been quite a change. And I said, yes, sir, there has been. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So anyways, uh, Wednesday night after service, we will have a, a brief jail ministry meeting. Um, so here he says that that love of Christ is constraining you. And then he said that if Christ died for you, you were dead, right? We just look at that this morning. We're all dead in trespasses and sins. If Christ died for you, then you shouldn't be living for yourself, right? First Corinthians chapter 6, right? What? Know you not that you're a temple of the Holy Ghost, right? He abideth within you. He said, the Holy Ghost is in there. He says, and ye are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. He's redeemed you. He's bought you back. So he says, you shouldn't be living unto yourself. You should be living unto Christ. Our whole life should be about Christ. He's done so much for us. I mean, and, you know, I say that, I say that like in a, uh, what's the word? I don't even know if it is a word. Like an obligation, I guess. I want to say, what was the word? He knows what I'm trying to say. That's the one. I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> Obligatory. Today. I don't even know. I try and say it like that, but it's really not an obligation, is it? It should be a, it should, we should look at it as a privilege and say, oh, I, what, really? I get to, I get to serve? I get to be part of your, your work that's going on? But we get, I don't know, we get caught up in life. Sometimes we get busy. I mean, you, got, you know, a lot of you have families and things, and there's obligations there. And, um, and then, you know, we get worn out. We get tired. Um, sometimes the world starts creeping in a little bit here and there, too. And sometimes you don't realize what it's doing to you, how it's kind of putting a blanket over your spirituality, if you would, or just taking away a little bit of that zeal. You know, and, and, and praise the Lord that I don't have cable. People think, oh, you're so spiritual. No, I don't have cable. <laughs> because I'm not spiritual in that sense. Because when I get home and I want to just not think, I would click it on. To me, they, you know, we used to call it the boob tube. You know why? Because <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> that's why. And I, when I get home and I'm tired, that, that's me. I just, you know, and I'll just be quick. But I, sometimes I go to my dad. He's got 200 and some channels, and that's me. Oh, you got to be kidding me. 200, 200 channels, and there's nothing on. But I praise the Lord for that. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you sit and you watch some of the stuff, and the things I have seen, I, it's amazing what they're, how they're, it's, Everything is inundated with the world philosophy. And, the, and um, a friend of mine on the patrol, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story. This guy's lost, okay? And he was telling me they were watching, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's the, the female um, version of Superman, uh, Supergirl, Superwoman, I don't know what it is. But it's supposed to be a family show. Well, of course... Anymore, it doesn't matter. They got to they got to put a homosexual or a lesbian or an alphabet person in there, or whatever. And so his little girl, I don't know, she was maybe eight or nine, and they're watching that show. And so one of the characters, a lesbian, and getting married, and the little girl says, "I don't understand, Daddy. Where's her husband?" And he said, "We're done." He said, we're not watching this anymore. It's in, it's all in there. And you don't realize, and I realize, you know, most of you here, obviously, as adults are, that, that's not going to influence you to go out and, and start, you know, some terrible type of relationship. It's not going to influence you that way. But it influences you in that you're sitting there, and you don't even realize what it's doing to you spiritually in that, well, you're okay that it's on there, and we just kind of ignore that part of it. 
And then that little stuff starts creeping in. Just there's, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know what gets me as, as, a, as a man, and, and you think about this, why did God destroy the, the, the world during the days of Noah? Violence. And we just love it. It's all over in there, you know? And I just, that stuff creeps in, and it, and it, it grates on you. Um, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, right? Every, he's created all things and they're created for his pleasure. We're created for his pleasure. We were created to have a, a relationship with him. That relationship gets hindered when we allow things in there that aren't supposed to be in there. And in different varying amounts. And I'm not even, I haven't even mentioned sin yet. I'm not even talking about that. When you allow sin in, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother level. And that, sometimes that comes as a, as, a, as a result of letting a little bit of the world in. Um, you know, the sins and the weights that just so easily beset us. Sometimes it's not sin. Sometimes it's just a weight. No, not your mother-in-law's, especially yours. <laughs> See that? She's sitting right there. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. It's not, sometimes it's just things that are hindering you from serving the Lord. Um, you know, I can't even think off my head what that might be. Maybe something's coming to your mind, I don't know. But something that in and in of itself is not bad, but um, it, it's, it's hindering you from doing what, what you're supposed to be doing for the Lord. And I mentioned about, think about a church where every single member is plugged into a ministry. A hundred people here plugged into a ministry, the impact it would make in this community. Huge. Going out on, and, and by a ministry, I mean jail ministry, care home ministry, those, those kind of ministries, right? Uh, I'm not talking about just soul winning, even though that's a ministry of the church. I'm talking about outreach type ministry. So soul winning is just something we do that all of us should be there, all a hundred should be there. And, you know, I know sometimes people have different philosophies. You may not even agree that, oh, I just don't think it, that it works, or I don't think we should be doing it. Well, it's, it's a ministry of the church. That's what we're doing. Uh, bus ministry. Bus ministry right now is not as productive as it used to be. But a bus girl got saved today. Right, Tracy was telling me, uh, you know, just before service, he said, "It's amazing." He said, he said "You know, he's telling me about his wife would uh, was it nails going to get the nails done? Was it?" And somebody says, "Oh yeah, I used to ride that bus when I was a kid." I mean, we're talking fifty years of of, of a legacy of of people coming in and getting saved. And I run into them now, and it's like, "Oh yeah, well, I send my kids there. I used to ride it." I mean, they should be coming, yeah, but their kids are coming. They're getting saved. Um, this the young lady that got saved today was one of Sarah's um, bus kids. And I don't know, somebody reached her again. She came again, so praise the Lord. And there were a couple other people that raised their hand that didn't come forward. Um, also one from the bus. So, I mean, it's making an impact. So that's what I'm talking about as far as being plugged into a ministry. Um, we are stretched thin on the, in the bus ministry. We're stretched thin in the care home ministries. And, you know, we can use some more help, but I wouldn't say we're stretched thin in the jail ministry. It's just um, we don't have a, enough to do a lot of rotation, but we have enough to do the ministry. But just think if all 100 were plugged in. We'd have other ministries too. Um, I, some of you might remember um, during the interim time, things were, things were tough. And I don't know if you remember, I, I announced, I said, okay, um, unfortunately, unless things change, we're going to have to shut the bus ministry down. Because during that time, we just didn't have the help. And we just weren't able to do it. You know who, you know who one of the main people stood up to help? Crassy Ludwig. And she started riding the bus again. 
She was in her 80s then? Folks, we need to get plugged in. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus Christ. We just, we really just need to ask him. We just need to say, Lord, you know what? I haven't been involved in a ministry, but what, what do you want me to do here in this church? We need to sincerely pray that and ask him. And, and look for his leading. And you know what? If you're not sure about his leading, I mean, we talked about that. Do you feel the leading of the Holy Spirit? And, and that, Come and talk to pastor say, and just say, look, I'm interested in getting plugged in. There's other areas, too, about getting plugged into the church. Just, there's so much work to be done around here. Um, there are times, I'm going to be honest with you, there are times that it takes me longer to line somebody out to do a job, Andy's laughing because he knows. He knows how it goes. It takes longer for me to line someone out than it would have been for me to do that. You can understand that, right? Aaron's looking at me going, yep. Why do I do that? Because it's their church too. And okay, they only had, you know, an hour or two here and they came down to do something. I'm going to help to facilitate that so that they're investing in the work of God in their church. It's your church when you're vested in it. I don't know about you, but when I hand someone a gospel track, I don't say, hey, I'd like to invite you to this church here. I'd like to invite you to my church because I'm vested in it. That's where, we're, that's where we need to be. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, or we can quote verse 8 and 9, but verse 10 says that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're ordained unto good works. We're his workmanship. It's, he's working on us. He saved us in 8 and 9, right? Not by, not by works, right, but by grace. And then in verse 10, he says, we're his workmanship, ordained unto good works. He says, all right, I saved you for a purpose. I'm making you into something here so that you can do this work. You can be involved in this work. Amen? <clears throat> Look at uh, Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Now, these messages here, there's, this is, end of this is the end of this, the message from this morning, and then it goes into a servant's heart, which is an entirely another message. But it's about serving. Um, and I was looking at it, I'm like, well, how do I transition into that? I don't know, I'm just going to do it. If it doesn't seem like it flows, that, that's the reason why. Uh, Mark chapter 8. In verse 34, <clears throat> Mark eight thirty-four says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what? shall a man give in exchange for his soul. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of, of his Father with the holy angels. Now, notice that last verse he says, ashamed of me and of my words. You know what that tells me? We're supposed to be telling other people about him and his words. That's the direct connotation of that verse. Of him, talking about him and his words, sharing the gospel with people. That's what we're supposed to be doing. He says, and if you don't, it's because you're ashamed of him. That ties in, I don't know if you ever noticed, I'm going to show you this, and maybe you have. I remember when I first read this, because um, I had seen so many times, you know, the Romans road. And then I read the verses in between the Romans road. In Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> verses 9 and 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then verse 13, For whosoever shall, be called, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's the Romans road right there. But right in between there, 
It says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I remember when I first read that, I was like, huh? I was too stupid to realize at the, at the time. And I, I mean, I was just young and dumb. I'd just gotten saved, and I was like, why wouldn't you want to tell somebody about him? But we've all been there. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to... I remember the first time I didn't... I, I got, you know, it was a, you, you grow into it and everything, but I remember the first time I didn't have a gospel track, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to witness to them. And I went, oh, no problem, Lord. Oh, sorry, I don't have a gospel track. And he said, I didn't ask you to give him a gospel track. <laughs> That's different, isn't it? You walk up to a total stranger and say, uh, you know what? We have the power of God. We are the light. They may not know that they need the light. They may not even realize it, that they're looking towards the light. But they're in darkness, and they need the light. And we are that light. And we are supposed to be giving them the gospel. So it says, um, it shall not be the same, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And I just remember thinking, what? why is that there? And then you get to thinking about it. Oh, that makes sense. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah. Are you handing out tracts? Yeah. Are you talking to people of him and of his words? So that means you're talking to people about Jesus Christ. Now, your testimony is huge. It means a lot. You have to walk the walk, right? You have to live the, that, that life. Um, I want <clears throat> to go to Micah chapter 6. This, may, this is part that you might think, well, what does this have to do with it? Because your testimony is important in how you live your life. I'm going to read it to you if you're there. It says in Micah 6, 8, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee? This verse always gets me because it's so, it seems so simple. What does it require? But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. That's pretty simple, right? But now to do justly. Think of this walking uprightly, having a sanctified life, a holy life. 1 Peter 1.15. I'm going to read that to you as well. 1 Peter 1.15. <clears throat> It says, uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. It's not talking about the conversation talking. He's talking about your life and everything you do. He says to be holy because he is holy. So let, you know, this walk uprightly, this to justly, right? To do justly is to walk uprightly and to, and to have a... Uh, just a sanctified life. Let your decisions and your actions be pure and upright, glorifying the Lord in everything that you do. Whatsoever thou do, doest, do so heartily as unto the Lord. Right? So the, this is your testimony. This is, this is what the, the light that the people are looking at. In Matthew chapter 5, he, he says to let your light so shine before men that they behold your what? Your good works. Your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's how you glorify your Father in heaven, by your good works, by your testimony. And he says to love mercy. And I, th and I think about love and mercy, is it's, it's showing grace and love and mercy, having compassion on others, forgiveness and love. That part of your testimony. And I got to admit, the, the spiritual gifts tests. I mean, there's got to be a different category on the mercy scale for me. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. I've gotten better over the years. I've gotten better. Like, uh, there, there was one question. It's not on this last one, but there was a question once about if you, if you accidentally hit a cat, it was an A, B, C, or D, on the road, do you A, go to the nearest house and find out if it's there, B, it was like all that. I wrote in my extra E, I said, run it over a couple more times, make sure he's dead. Well, there's no sense letting him suffer, right? I think that's mercy. <laughs> yeah, I fail at that part, but um, we do, we need to show, we need, that needs to be part of our testimony. 
Um, without the love, without the love, it's nothing. Um, Brother Billy, you were talking about that today. Without the love, right? Was that you that was talking about it at the jail? I think it was. Um, you have to show that. Um, walk humbly with thy God. This also is your, is your um, testimony in your life, this walking humbly. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Start in verse 6. It says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And so it's this, this humble walk with the Lord. It's a life of surrender. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that if you seek for the Lord with all your heart, then he'll be found with all your heart. That's where I started off saying about, about that, uh, giving that testimony about asking that guy, are you all in? So I got to ask you something. Be honest. You know, the Bible says to examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Well, I know you're saved. I hope that everybody here is saved. Well, I guess I'm not going to assume that, but let's just say you ought for those of you that are saved, are you all in? Are you be, can, now, I realize I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You're here on a Sunday night. Praise the Lord. But guess what? Church is a privilege. It's not, it's not like a, you don't get rewards for, oh, man, he was at church. No, that's a blessing for you to be here. I mean, yeah, I know you didn't know I was going to preach, but still... If you, were, you probably would get rewards. Yeah, you knew, you knew Rick was going to preach and you still came. <laughs> Are you all in? Walking that walk, living the life, and having that testimony, why? Now, you say, well, my, t-, and, I, and I agree, your testimony could speak for itself. Uh, this came up during an interview uh, when I was interviewing to get on the highway patrol. And they were worried I was, that I'd be witnessing to people instead of shooting people when I'm supposed to. <laughs> And they, they said that. I said, look, I said, look, I, there's not going to be a problem with that. But I said, if somebody asked me about, and, about my testimony or my faith in the Lord, I said, I am more than willing to share it. And there were a few times that I did that at risk of losing my job. And they said, well, no, you can't do that here, which is not true. It's separation of church and state right. is to keep the state out of the church, right. not vice versa. But the guy kept telling me, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, whatever. That's <laughs> not true. But anyways, my testimony did speak for itself. Everyone on that panel knew I was a preacher, and I didn't tell them. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. You know what? Everyone around you ought to know you're a Christian. But it doesn't stop there, because just knowing that you're a Christian doesn't mean you've given them the gospel. You need to open your mouth. You need to share those words. You need to share Jesus Christ with them. <clears throat> and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we've gone so long without doing it that we can't hear the Holy Spirit telling us to do it. <clears throat> because, I mean, you can't, there's some of it is just obedience. You don't need the Holy Spirit to every time directly say, give this person a track, give this person a track. Now, he is going to do that at times specifically to have you witness to someone. I, you guys have heard the testimony of, um, I had been saved about a year, and I had led my mom to the Lord just like, like a month before. And I'm telling you, just sure as I'm standing here, the Lord was telling me to, to witness to my uncle Samuel Pochetti. All right? I know he was telling me to witness to him. And, and, and I had been praying, and it was just right there. I couldn't get that out of my head, and I didn't do it. And then woke me up at, in the middle of the night, and I'm thinking about him. And I was like, all right, Lord, all right, I'll take care of it. So the next morning I get up, and I call my mom, and I said, Mom, you got to go witness to Uncle Sam. I'm telling you, I, said, I don't know why, but God wants, wants him to get the gospel. Just got to go witness to him. My mom never did. And two weeks later, he was dead. God didn't ask my mom to witness to him. 
I can't stand, as Paul said, my hands are clean of all men's blood. I can't stand and say that. I hope that somebody gave my uncle the gospel, but I know I was supposed to. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you specifically to speak to somebody. But your whole life, we're supposed to be doing it. We should be handing them out. It shouldn't be hard, because if it's hard, that means you're ashamed. You have the power. You are the light. You are in control. And, yes, some people are going to reject it, but let me help you out with that. They're rejecting Jesus Christ, not you. And we're just the messengers. You don't even have to convince them about Jesus Christ. You give them the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do that. It's God that gives the increase. So it takes all the pressure off of you. I mean, how easy is that? Just, <laughs> that's your job. You know, that's the, that's the easiest job in the world. He's going to take care of all the results. But we need to be, you know, we need to be in that walk with him. Otherwise, it's going to get, it's getting crushed down to where we're not doing it. And come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I've been there. I, I'm there right now, to be honest with you. I went out on visitation Saturday out of obedience, not out of love. The thing about it is, is as we spread the gospel, you think about uh, Martha, Martha, right? Y'all know the story of Martha, Martha, right? And so some people going, no, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me the story. All right, so in the Bible, uh, Jesus Christ comes to Martha's house, and she's serving, and says she was cumbered with serving. And she goes to the Lord and says, hey, Mary, her sister, is not helping me. She said, tell her to help me. And, and she is at the feet of Jesus Christ, worshiping him. And he says, Mary has done that good part that is necessary. And he, sa- and, he, and he rebukes Martha and says, you're too cumbered about serving. He says, she's sitting here worshiping me. That's what you ought to be doing too. Now, is Martha was serving. That's great. But you got to do it out of a loving heart. If you just do it out of obedience, and I, when I fall back on if the loving heart's not there, I fall back on obedience. And so that's why I go. But you will get burned out if that's the only reason you're doing it. So that's why the walk with God is so important. Walk humbly with that God. Having that relationship with God so that you're, whether it's soul winning or anything else, living for the Lord, you're not getting burnt out because that love of Christ is constraining you. It's drawing you. It's feeding you. And that's why it's so important to have that walk. Look at John chapter 13. <clears throat> John 13. <clears throat> I'm just going to look at a couple examples here. This one of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm getting the froggy. I was at a revival meeting instead of a. I, the reason I don't know, Mrs. Did you put this here, Mrs. Brown? See, I didn't know. So I was sitting there and I thought, okay, has that been sitting there for a week? <laughs> I was at a revival meeting and they had put the cup, the glass, just like that, and they had it right under here. And during the preaching, the, the evangelist grabs that glass and starts to drink it, and there's a goldfish in it. <laughs> he drank it all. Goldfish and all. I wouldn't have done that. But <clears throat> John chapter 13. Look at verse, um, start in verse 4. It's talking about Jesus Christ. It says, He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he, he was girded. And, of course, you know the story goes on, and then he says, you don't know what I'm doing now, but you'll understand it later. And verse uh, 14, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. And then now turn over to Philippians chapter 2. So here you have the Lord and Master washing the feet. And then Philippians chapter 2, 
verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So, here you have the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Almighty God, leaves heaven, and this is the way he decided to do it. He, I mean, this is how it was lined out from since time began. He takes the form of a servant. I mean, you think about it. He could have come back as anything. He comes back as an impoverished, low-income family. and lives a perfect life on, on earth, 33 years without sin for you and I. You think about that, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he dies the most gruesome death the Roman legions could administer for you and I. It's important to have a servant's heart. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and others. You hear me? That's one of my sayings, God and others, God and others, God and others. Jesus Christ washing the disciples' feet. I, I mean, we read these stories and they just, oh yeah, Jesus Christ, what? God washing your feet. You understand how Peter reacted. Oh no, you're not washing my feet. I don't deserve it for you to wash. You know, Peter's always opening his mouth more, you know, real quick, but we give him a hard time. But really, I mean, wouldn't that be you? Right. I wouldn't want God washing my feet. Right. You know what? I just thought of it even worse. I wouldn't got, want God knowing what's in my mind, but he does. Yeah. <laughs> and he still loves me. Right. Amen. Amen. God and others. This life is about him. It's not us. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. Uh, Matthew 20 and 27 says that whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. And I think about the Apostle Paul. If you would, go to uh, 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to get you a verse in Galatians since I'm right here. But 1 Corinthians 9, we'll go next. You think about Paul. He wrote half of the New Testament. Galatians chapter 6 um, in verse 7 through 10, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I really like that verse. Because I really like you. I do. I love you. And I like that verse because especially unto them in the household. It is special. This church family is special. You know, Bill, Bill said something today at the, uh, at, after jail, or was it during jail? I'm just getting the time frames mixed up about this church being his family. Yeah. Amen. I like that. I like that. But it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to be good to one another and to others. <clears throat> Amen? Let's look at Paul here in 1 Corinthians 9. i got to catch up to my own notes. I get to preaching and get ahead. <clears throat> we'll start in verse uh, 19. It says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. He's talking about those that are not Jews that don't ha that didn't actually have the, the law, he said he, he, he ministered unto them in order to win them, yet he was not without the law of Christ, okay? It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the two greatest commandments, right? 
Um, oh, I gave credit to, it was you, Josh, that was talking about the love, wasn't it? He sat there all nice and quiet. He was the one talking about that in Sunday school this morning. It just dawned on me. Um, so it's just like the, 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 the two commandments that all the law and the prophets hang on. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all the mind, and all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. So it's kind of like that. He ministered to these uh, lost people, these people that were, that were not Jews, in order to win them. <clears throat> so he condescended to men of low estate. Verse 22, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for what? The gospel's sake. That I might be partaker thereof with you. <clears throat> he became all things to all men, that he might win them. He made himself a servant. This is, and he that would be chief among you, let him be your servant. This is the man that wrote half of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul. I mean, outside of Jesus Christ, basically the greatest Christian we know about. And he became a servant. Why was he great? Because he was a great servant. <clears throat> so let me ask you something. What have you done to reach someone? I mean, half the time in this day and age, we don't go across the street to our neighbors. I had a pastor, he's with the Lord now, but uh, he was preaching down south in the deep south, in the deep south. And we were at a, a preacher's conference, and he said during that sermon, he said, you know, and you know, missionaries would stand up and say, you know, I'm here. And there was one, I think it was to New Guinea or something like that. And my pastor said, you know, it's funny, he says, we'll send all sorts of money to send someone over to New Guinea, but you won't go across the street. <laughs> That's true. Folks, this is our mission field. I'm all for sending missionary money and sending missionaries out to here and there, but this is our mission field right here. And if we had 100 people plugged in, <laughs> We would reach this whole community for the gospel's sake. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What sacrifice have you made for this ministry? Second Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's given to us. It's in our hands. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So we talked about this morning, Christ being that daysman to, to bring the lost to God. So uh, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. In Christ's stead. As the Father sent me, even so send I you. In Christ's stead. We are here instead of Christ. To reconcile the world to God. It's up to us, folks. Some of you might say, well, I'm here, ain't I? I'm in church. But again, church is a privilege. It's not a sacrifice to be in church. I mean, you get to be in church. There are people in nations that would absolutely die to, to, be, to have the opportunity to be in church. There are people that are being killed because they come to church. You're not earning points by being here. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's great. I, I'm glad that you're here. And I, and I thank you and I commend you for your faithfulness. But, I mean, this is where you come to get charged up so that we can do what he wants us to do. Man, just imagine if everyone was 100% plugged into even just one ministry. Romans 13, 11 says it's high time to wake out of sleep. Folks, it's high time that we get busy about the Father's business. 
serving God and others, especially to them of the household of faith. Now, I know it's about that time we finish up here, but I'm going to hit this just because. And it's not because you're not doing this. I think this church does a great job at doing this. But especially unto them of the household of faith. And I think about our pastor and his family. And I think it's, this church does a great job of taking care of our pastor. So this is in, just as I started this morning. Just kind of a, it, it's not grievous unto me to, to, to encourage you in the things that you already know. Or to bring to remembrance. But I will say this. As a church we do a great job. But I, and I don't know, because I don't know what y'all do for each and every one of you do to Pastor or Mrs. Brown and their family. But as individuals, how are we doing with that? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Are we there already? Did I change? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 9. should have read this while I was over there. <clears throat> Verse 7 says, oh, let me go down. Look at verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care uh, for oxen? Or saith, he, or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So he's talking here, the oxen is the pastor. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? So he's talking about living of the gospel. Um, if, you, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we, we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So he's talking about taking care of the pastor. That, and he relays that to the ox and, and treading out the corn. He says that they should be partaker of, of those things. First um, Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17 and 18 also talking about the ox and the laborer and says that those that, the, uh, those that labor in the word are worth a double reward. Um, and when you see the word communicate, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, 13 and 17 is talking about submitting to those that are over you and doing so so that it's not a grievance to them to shepherd over you. Have you been maybe hurt sometime by something pastor might have said whether from the pulpit or just I know that he doesn't ever do it on purpose me on the other hand eh, I know sometimes <laughs> um, no he does have a whole lot more grace than me but you know what the Bible talks about that the, the more you speak uh, outwardly the more likely you are to sin and sometimes people get offended over things but we're a family we need to have the grace and the mercy. We need to forgive. We, don't, we can't just fall out. Every time, whether it's pastor or someone else, whether it's me, I know I've offended people sometimes, some of the things I've said. And, and you know, I, it's, I, I'm a sinner, same as you. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. But we, as a family, we need to be joined together. We need to support pastor. We need to support this work. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12 and 13 talks about knowing them that are over you and esteem them highly for their work's sake. Esteem them. It takes a lot to pastor a church, folks. There's a lot of strain. He used to have hair. <laughs> you know, somebody jokingly, uh, I think it was Bethany, was saying she saw some uh, picture of Pastor and I like from 13 years ago, and she said, what? You know, you look pretty much the same, but pastor's aged a bit more. <laughs> she was joking, but I thought, and I thought when you said that, I thought, yeah, well, he's been pastor in the last 13 years. <laughs> uh, I used to tell the teens, they, were, they would laugh at me because of my gray hair, and I said, I didn't have any until I was a youth pastor. <laughs> we have a good man as our pastor. 
I love him as my pastor. I love him as my friend. And I thank you as a church for taking care of him. Um, look for opportunities to exercise your faith, to be a servant, and to get plugged in. And just, you know, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm pushing somebody to, be, to do something that they don't want to do. But at the same time, this is what you're ordained to do, is to, is to work for the Lord. So just be in prayer in 2024 of what the Lord would have you do here in this church. And I don't want to steal Pastor's thunder or anything, what he's going to bring you on Sunday, but I can guarantee it, it involves you being involved. <laughs> I mean, without you, the church dies. And without the church, the world dies. So just... Just be in prayer about what the Lord would have you to do. And think, you know, like I said, we get, it, there's ups and downs in our Christian walk. And sometimes we get drained. Sometimes we get cold to the things of God. Sometimes just the world, just not, you're not even sinning. You're just doing your job and you're feeding your family. You're taking care of things. And just the busyness of life gets us off track. Now, all those things are part of life. But everything in life revolves around him. And we can use all of that for his glory. So if your testimonies need some shining, get them shined up. Yeah. Amen? If, you, if you're afraid to speak for the Lord, you know, Paul prayed and said, hey, pray for me that I'll, that I'll be able to speak. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself for that, that just the, the bravery, just for the zeal to be able to do it. Pray for the, the wisdom and the knowledge. Sometimes you're afraid because you don't know what to say. You know that, that, that woman at the well when she went into town? She just said, hey, you got to come hear this guy that told me everything I ever did. She just gave her testimony. Sometimes that's all you got to do. And you know you're saved, right? Yeah. So I got to tell him, hey, this is how I got saved. Right. Amen? And you know what? Be happy. Be joyous about it. Yeah. It should not be a, you know, just drudgery. <laughs> it just shouldn't be. And I'll be honest, I confess, yesterday... Yesterday was, I wouldn't call it drudgery, but it was just obedience. There should be some joy in that. An opportunity to reach people. And just, if you live a life like that, I mean, it's just the joy will come. And that constraining love of Christ is going to guide and direct you. And it's going to give you fulfillment in your life. There is no joy in this life when you're not living for the Lord. If you're saved, you're not your own. So there's a constraining spirit of Christ saying, hey... He's knocking on that door saying, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. And you're not doing it. You're just sitting there being miserable. So get in on what you can get in. Get all in. And don't look like the deer in the headlights when I say all in. <laughs> Amen. And like I said, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys have, are great. I think about VBS, and I mean, we usually have more workers than we do kids. Praise the Lord. When, don't you want to be one of them workers? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's, uh, we'll close out. Uh, Brother John, why don't you come close out in prayer? And it's been a good day in the Lord. Yeah. Um, my heart's still thumping. Yeah. Trish getting that thing squared away with, with the Lord. Woo! Amen. No other young lady gets saved. Man, God is good. Yeah. Amen. And uh, Brother Christy, I think uh, someone else got saved on the bus this morning, too. Is that correct? Amen. So three, three this morning. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you, Brother Rick. That's a blessing uh, and very encouraging. Uh, uh, let's pray. Stand with me and uh, we'll uh, be dismissed in prayer and uh, uh, continue to pray for one another. Lift up, uh, lift up each other in prayer uh, this week. We lift the pastor up in prayer and uh, so that we can all be.